Lowrider, Donnie. Donnie, Lowrider. This is the drive-in podcast take one bada bing bada boom welcome to the 90th episode of the drive-in podcast On today's episode, we have a very special top billing draft of the greatest Nick Cage performances. So use the bathroom now, grab that popcorn, and enjoy the 90th episode of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy, duty. Welcome to episode 90 of the Drive-In Podcast. Shout out, defensive end Julius Peppers. This is Dr. On the Horn. I'm joined, as always, by Ricky Flicks. Very special episode for today. Uh, we have a meta Nick Cage movie on the way this week. So we thought it would be fitting to break down the greatest performances from Nicolas Cage from at least one of the greatest Nick Cage fans of all time. May I introduce Ricky Flex? How are you, my friend? How excited are you for this draft? I think besides the Batman draft, this is, and the Leo draft, this is the third favorite draft that we've ever done. And might've been for most anticipated because the Leo draft, it's kind of like, I don't know. I didn't have high, it's don't look up. It's not like it's with a Scorsese or a Spielberg that he's worked with, right? It was with Adam McKay, satire, wasn't the same. This is Nick Cage. Nick Cage, in his element, doesn't matter how good the movie is. This man just is Hollywood. This man is what we all strive to be, where if he wants to be, he could be the best actor on the planet. But if he just wants it for the paycheck, he'll go get the paycheck. If he just wants to be freaking uh, a priest slash John Travolta in a movie, then God dang it, he's going to do that. He'll go Saturday Night Fever on you. So this is the draft that I've been waiting for, for a meta movie that Nick Cage is doing, and I wouldn't have it any other way, Doctor. Right. We have the unbearable weight of massive talent coming out, starring as himself in a movie that maybe the juiciest Nick Cage role in the history of Nick Cage roles. You look Playing at his himself. Eye, this is himself paying tribute to all he's done for Hollywood. You said it yourself. He never sells audiences short. He is a dude that is going to give it all he's got, no matter what the movie is. It could be a straight to VOD release. It could never sniff movie theaters. He can, uh, as you said, kind of chase a paycheck, but at the same time, 
he's going to deliver those lines in a way that no other actor can. He's going to at sometimes oversell, but at times I think he also has some of the best, best self-recognition and, and for any actor in Hollywood. Even when he knows these moves are going straight to VOD, he's going to make it worth your money, right? Yeah, I think that's the best part about it because he's like a audience viewpoint where it's like yes he might be doing it for the money uh apparently his mother has been sick for a while so it's also been in fact impacting his uh financials as well but yes he might be doing it for the money but then again he's still gonna go method acting on this thing and then we might get into some movies here and is later down the line uh 2000 21st century movies here that they might not be good, but you know what? They might be the best Nick Cage performances, and he might have taken them only because of the money. So it's very interesting. His career literally was regarded as the actor of his generation at one point, and that's with the best of the best. So to where his career has gone, is he still there? It's up for debate, and we'll talk more about it as we go on with this draft. Yeah, so you mentioned that he was regarded as maybe like the greatest up-and-comer and and then arguably the greatest actor during the mid-90s, early 90s, maybe late 90s. Without a doubt. So here's the deal. He's got maybe one of the most interesting career arcs in the history of Hollywood where you got this guy, guys starring in Coen Brothers movies in the late 80s, uh, seen as a bit of a heartthrob in the late 80s. I know that's kind of weird to say with how he's viewed today. Uh, he's in like a great romantic comedy that's nominated for Oscars with Moonstruck. Uh, then he hits his stride in the mid 90s and you got like Family Man, you got The Weatherman, and then you got uh, Leaving Las Vegas. And then all of a sudden he makes this turn from this young, prominent star to a bona fide star and then an action movie star maybe at an inopportune time and an unorthodox time compared to most actors. Usually like after you win an Oscar, maybe you follow it up trying to see if you can capitalize on momentum. He does so in a way where he's going to fully buy into this movement in Hollywood where there is an action, like I guess Renaissance and where you have Michael Bay movies and he becomes a regular partner of his Jerry Bruckheimer and you still have him. I, like when I talk about like understanding roles that he's in, understanding movies he's in, he knows this isn't going to be Oscar nominated, but he's going to give you a reason to hit the cinema. He's going to give you a he doesn't reason. Mail it, in. it can be a 10% movie on Rotten Tomatoes. It could be critically panned as a movie overall, but it's worth watching because Nick Cage is in it. Right. You know, he's going to have those iconic lines. You know, he's going to be over the top. You know, he's going to have the, weird body gyrations going through the movie. You know, he is truly a one of a kind type of actor. And if one person was going to star as himself paying homage to his own career, I think there's not a more interesting specimen than Nicolas Cage and uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent. <laughs> yeah. And his Oscar, when he won his Oscar, it, he literally achieved the dream of every actor that nobody ever gets which is the Oscars are very well-known. Speak to Al Pacino, Leo, like all these well-renowned actors that don't get their Oscars in their prime or at their peak. They get their Oscars where it's like not their best role, might be outside their top five, 
and they just get it because of their work, their past career. Nick Cage got it, and it's like the whole room lit up. The audience that was watching it at the time was like, that is the best actor on the planet, and that's one of the best actors of all time and will be for a long time. Everyone thought that this guy, his uncle is Francis Ford Coppola. This man was expected to be like the greatest actor of all time after De Niro, after Pacino. And what does he do? There's a few paths you can go. And you mentioned this briefly there. After you win an Oscar, it's do you go chase a second one, right? Do you go after the Meryl Streep type route where you just go get nominated for like seven in a row, right? Or you retire. You retire. You, he could have just retired after that. Or... You go passion project route or fun. And he went the fun route, but what he did is he didn't mail it in. He went all in. Doesn't matter the project. Doesn't matter the critical acclaim. Like you mentioned, don't mean to repeat it, but that's what I respect. That's why audiences love him because he goes all in method for any role it is, no matter how dumb it is, no matter how bad the movie is, he's going to give it his all. And that's all we want to see rather than just mail it in like a red notice. Right. We don't want to see that. And if Nick Cage was in Red Notice, that makes it watchable. Dare I say rewatchable. That's why we love Nick Cage. That's why I'm so excited for this draft. Yeah, as you said, like these stinkers that he's a part of, they people always return to them. You see these YouTube compilations of the best Nick Cage roles or lines, quotes, moments, and they're all they're not all from these critically acclaimed smashes. A lot of them are from these late nineties, like action movies where it's like, you don't expect a performance to kind of go on like Nick Cage does. Right. The all in aspect, uh, his, I think like another great way to define Nick Cage is he's unafraid to take roles, uh, that are challenging. He doesn't, uh, find comfort in one type of movie. He'll explore all these different genres, explore all these different avenues for people to see his movies. And sometimes the movies will fail. All right. But he has said before, like we can, we'll talk about a couple movies here. Like he'll go a whole movie without saying a word of dialogue just to try and challenge himself. And, but he has that type of um, prowess, like to his name where he can go to a director and say, I want to try this. And the director should be like, you're Nick Cage, do whatever the hell you want. Right. Just the fact that you're in this movie, people are going to go see it. You could see him. I don't know, like trying to put like we see him in this age of like Marvel heroes. He's portrayed like three different types of superheroes. And then none of these films have been like absolute smashes aside from into the Spider-Verse. But he's not willing to conform just to what everyone has done, the formula that everyone follows. So he's a unique individual, both on the screen and off the screen. He's even talked about like I, I, he's doing some promo right now, obviously, for the unbearable weight of massive talent. He said he even wants to do a musical. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does do a musical. I'm surprised the umbrella, unbearable weight of massive talent isn't a musical itself. You know, so I just feel like we have yet to see the I guess the full arc of Nick Cage's career. And he's had a little bit of a renaissance within the past two or three years. Right. When you think about uh, Mandy, you think about obviously Pig last year and uh, his, his role in Into the Spider-Verse, like his popularity is once again resurging. He I feel like also he disappeared because he was relatively um, 
he was known for like people like us that grew up in the early 2000s being a terrible actor because we didn't know like his history, like looking back at his IMDb. We didn't know the late 80s, early mid 90s. You know, we didn't know his contributions to Hollywood. We just thought of him as the guy who played Johnny Blaze and Ghost Rider and made one of the worst sequels of all time with uh, Spirit, of Spirit of Vengeance. We know him as get Benjamin Gates from National Treasure, which is a good role for him. But it is nowhere near the zaniness and the uniqueness of earlier on in his career. So, so we, this is like a, a reintroduction to audiences. And I think people are starting to realize, dude, this guy is special no matter what movie he's making. And of course, he doesn't have like the looks of a Leo, right? And we're talking mid-90s, so like Basketball Diaries, pre-Titanic, Romeo Juliet, right before that. So Leo about to come on hard to the scene post basketball diaries but this man is not known for his looks but you said he was such a good actor like moonstruck 89 such a good actor next to Cher, and all these other famous actors he was worked with the best of the best directors and there's a reason for that and the way i view his career i don't think anyone else will agree with this especially you but this is how I view Nick Cage. And this will be my last comment before we get into the draft. Hold on. Nick Cage is like Nickelback. Everyone loves Nickelback, but nobody wants to admit it. Nickelback had great songs. I feel like Colin Coward. They had great songs. Everyone loved Rockstar. Everyone loves all their bangers, early 2000s. But then they start releasing some other songs and it's just fun to hate on them, right? Nick Cage, bangers, Oscar winner, Oscar nominated for other roles. But guess what? He decides post uh, 2005-ish, he's going to do all these wacky projects that nobody's going to like and make fun of him for it. And it's just fun to hate on But guess what? You realize years later, he's an amazing actor. Nickelback, in their heyday, was an amazing band. I know you haters will deny it, but deep down, you know, know I'm I don't right. Know about this you know I'm right. I know, but the so, thing about Nick Cage, like he's still relevant, you know? And Chad Nick Kroger, Back. Nick Cage, very similar, looks a little bit. Yeah, and Con Air. And Con- <laughs> But like the Think about it. Nickelback hasn't been relevant. Like Nick Cage has shown with a meta movie coming out. In okay. I'm just saying like he's relevant. An analogy. Give me an analogy, doctor. I think that's kind of good. Sort of. I, Cause like, he's so beloved still, even with these trash movies, people still like, except for like our generation, we look at like Nick Cage, like a lot of people that are our age and say like terrible. They don't know about his prior filmography. So they just base them about what have you done lately? He's back. He's back. We talk about like the greatest comebacks in Hollywood of recent memory. Talking about Keanu Reeves, talking about Brendan Fraser, right? And here we go with Nicolas Cage, like a deeper nominee this year. Okay. Should have been nominated for, I mean, last year I'm talking about a recent awards show. So I get what you're saying hundred percent, especially with the looks category, because he has a very, very unique look in Con Air that we will address once that role gets drafted. Uh, do you have any questions before we get to the draft, Ricky Flex? I think it's time that we start picking. Yeah, no, I'm down. Let's do it. Okay. Do you have a coin on your Ricky Flex to help determine the draft order? Right here. All right. I'll be choosing tails. I'll tell you that. Same as always. Give it to me. 
Flip. It is. Oh. oh. Did you see what it was immediately? He dropped was, the coin. What was, was it? T- no, it was tails. It was tails. Okay, good. I want the second pick of this draft, Ricky Flex. So, <laughs> I can't believe you dropped the coin. So, that could have been controversial if we had to reflip, and it was tails initially. It was. It's a great man of honor type of move from you. So, we are on to the draft. Ricky Flex is first overall with the Nick Cage rolls. I think I know which way he's going, but I will not assume. Okay, I did not want the first pick in this draft. Did not want it because um, there's not a clear number one. I had a plan if I had the second pick. I knew what my two, three were, but I just didn't have a plan for one. So do I pick my favorite role? Do I pick a nostalgic role? Or do I think what's his best role? That's the real key here. And you know what? I think because I think I'm the core fan of this movie. I'm going to pick it first overall because it is his. Uh oh, he's second guessing himself with the first pick. I thought you had a plan, Ricky. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's going to be leaving Las Vegas. Uh, in case you haven't seen it, it's not streaming anywhere. So it's a terrible first pick for the audience. But it is on Roku. I, I watched it the other night. It is. This man hired a drinking coach. Oh my god. Because he refused to drink on set. He refused to get drunk on set. So everything this movie is about this guy who decides he wants to die and he wants to die because he's an alcoholic. So he wants to die, he wants to die from alcoholism. So he hired a drinking coach. He also got drunk offset to realize what his mannerisms were when he was drunk because he was so adamant that he didn't want to get drunk on set. So he figured out how he how he portrayed himself while drunk. And with this drinking coach, his cousin, a la France, related to Francis Ford Coppola, like I mentioned earlier, to figure out what he would be like. And boom, he did it. Won an Oscar for it. Feed this to me. This movie, boring at times. It's a quick watch, but boring at times. But in Vegas, has that grainy look because he is an alcoholic. Literally drunk the entire movie. Uh, blackout drunk for almost all of it. Um, not a great watch, I will say. Honestly, I could see this as Dr. Rose unrewatchable, but this is by far, I would say, a top two, probably his best role ever. And that's why it's it, like it's worthy of the one one. I know people looking at this will probably be like, what are we doing here? But at the end of the day, I think that this man did this without being drunk, but he looked like he was blackout drunk the entire time. So I'm picking leaving Las Vegas. Uh, this is the type of Nick Cage role where you start to realize like his commitment to acting. You talk about act like him hiring an alcoholic coach. I mean, we got to find out who this person is. There's like, who, like, how do you, how do you qualify yourself as an alcoholic coach? Does someone can teach someone how to be drunk? I'm assuming this person's drunk all the time as well. So his cousin's Roman Coppola, who was the alcoholic coach. Okay. <laughs> so- or no, sorry, sorry, sorry. Wait, wait, wait. That's incorrect. So his cousin, Roman Ezra Coppola, Miller was his alcoholic. No, 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 no. Oh, God. <laughs> um, his cousin, Roman Coppola, um, told him to hire a drinking coach for this role and told him to hire a guy named Tony Dingman. And this wow. guy, like, basically was a drunk poet. And Nicolas Cage hired him to basically be with him at all times during this movie. Right. Like, and you nailed it with like your analysis of it. Like, this is not 
a movie I enjoyed watching. The only reason I will watch it is for the Nick Cage performance. It it has the very over the top lines. Uh, it's got the great chemistry with Elizabeth Shue in this movie, who also I think is very good. But you can't match Nicolas Cage in this movie. That's the issue why she didn't win an Oscars because she's going against Nicolas Cage. She was great. But Nick, Cage, going if, Nick Cage. If you look back at Nick Cage's career, when he's one on one, uh, like with a strong female lead. Usually they nick knock it out of the park. We're gonna bring about like like Moonstruck's probably gonna get picked in this draft. And a couple right. others. Him with Cher, right? And talk about like that. And, like and you uh, even like when I look at like even later on with National Treasure. I know I'm teasing picks here, but I'm just saying like he has and raising Arizona. It's just a, his chemistry with female leads. Usually it's very strong, and it's sometimes it's unorthodox. I know I not feel like something you've seen before. So I mean. You talk about like this is a great example. I think awesome performance, like Hall of Fame performance, mediocre movie. Uh, like it's just not that uh, ple- pleasant on the eyeballs. You know, talk about the graininess of it. it feels super dated, but you're all in because Nicolas Cage when he hits the casino, like you're you're, you're holding your breath to see what happens uh, at the end of the movie. Like you know how it's going to end because it's been teased the entire movie. This character's on this path is on the state of depression that he is unwilling to release himself from or have his girlfriend release himself from. I think it's a great pick. It was arguably my number one pick. I'm glad I didn't have the first pick, so I didn't have to make this tough decision. I'm a man of integrity. So I, when the coin said tails, you got it. But I did not want the number one pick. If I had two, I would have been happy with this and another one grabbing it. But um, – at the end of the day, this is his Oscar-winning performance. This is what I mentioned, where everybody, doesn't matter who the actor was, whether you're thinking Denzel, Leo, Anthony Hopkins, De Niro, think of every single great actor that was alive in 1995-96. They were like, yeah, this guy is the best actor on the planet <laughs> it's a very, because it's of like, this movie. It's a frozen moment in time. It's it a is. Frozen this moment is when in time. Like, the because, Oscars like, like, knew, like, oh, this is when this guy deserved this Oscar. This is his peak. Boom. This he is actually an interesting got time. it. You talk about like Denzel in the early 90s. You know, he seemed like he was the guy. And then you hit the mid 90s before you hit like the Leo stage, like starting to enter like the Titanic era and uh, the his heartthrob era. Uh, you have like Johnny Depp rising up, Brad Pitt coming up. But who was like that mid 90s guy? It probably was Nick Cage. So I think you picked the right year. What, Leaving Las Vegas, 96 movie, I believe. So I think this this was the pick because this is like if you had to pinpoint on the timeline where Cage is at the peak of his powers, it's probably right here. All right, leaving Las Vegas off the board, on to Dr. Rose, first round pick, second overall. Uh, I'm gonna go with another older movie. I'm gonna this is gonna be interesting when I put these two films back to back. But I'm going with Raising Arizona with my first round pick. So Coen Brothers movie. Uh, early Coen Brothers, a little wacky, little zany. I think Nick Cage was the perfect lead for this movie. After seeing this movie, I don't think anyone else could have been the lead in Raising Arizona. Uh, very charming performance for such a, like a, a, a convict that continuously is going in and out of jail. He's so charming that he ends up obviously having a relationship with uh, a parole officer, okay, <laughs> that he's with. Uh, the, oh, the voiceover narration is on point. The accent is on point. 
an incredible, as I said, voice performance, but also physical performance. You know, he just seems like he's straight out of a cartoon. He goes so well. Like, I feel like the Coen brothers, they, they couldn't have picked a better lead for this movie. It was like a match made in heaven. So, I mean, whether like, you talk about maybe the most iconic, one of the most, I, th- I think I would put in the top five, maybe 10 uh, chase scenes of all time where you have the cops Interesting. trying to find Nick Cage. Uh, obviously, he when, he when he's been out of shape, what is he trying to do? Rob a supermarket. When he, that's like it's a comfort zone for him when he's stressed out. Let's go rob something. And he does it when his stolen baby's in the car. Uh, and Holly Hunter, who also is very good once Holly again. Holly Hunter is amazing in this. Another great performance, like Nicolas Cage, great chemistry with the female lead. But – she like, little, like the Nicolas Cage is at the center of every rewatchable scene in Raising Arizona. I'm confident in saying that. And uh, yeah, so I think it's just like it's like an acme character that he's portraying charm, but also one of the biggest dummies in the history of Hollywood. And also the scene where he's carrying the babies nonstop and he can't stop like losing the babies when he's trying to steal them. Also a great scene. Uh, I returned to this last night. And I, it, it seems like one of those movies that was always on streaming services, but disappeared for some reason, right when we're doing these Nick Cage drafts. So I was, I was willing to shell out four bucks to rent this movie again. I might even return to it after the podcast. It's weird how movies, like if a movie star or a movie franchise is coming out that week, it's like movie streaming services or um, not just streaming services, but cable just takes that movie off and you're not allowed to like watch it for free you have to rent it it should be the exact opposite in this day and age with all the high competition and streaming because i've realized that i'm not going to tease any picks but there's a lot of nick cage movies that has said like expires in two days expires in a day and it expires like on uh on wednesday when you're listening to this uh, april 20th it's like what do you mean? I want to watch this right before I go see The Unbearable Way to Massive Talent on April 22nd. It's very weird how that's going. Um, and that's, a, that's a trend that's low-key significant in the industry that is awful. Awful for movie theaters as well. So hate that. But going back to this movie, this solidified, or uh, I know there's a couple movies beforehand. I'm not going to tease any picks, but they kind of showcase Nick Cage like looking dumb or acting dumb. This is the one where it's like, okay, not the greatest look. Stereotype. But he perfected it so well. Stereotyped. He was stereotyped after this role. But again, this wasn't like the first great director he worked with, right? He worked with his uncle beforehand, uh, uh, before with this, not once, but twice. Little nepotism there, but. Uh, Actually, three times. My mistake here. Yeah, clearly some nepotism. And he was in a couple other. very well-regarded movies or very uh, popular movies before this, not significant roles, but this is the one that was like, boom, stamp of approval, Nick Cage about to burst on the freaking scene. Coen brothers, those guys at this time, also not well-regarded, but look what happened after this movie. And a part of that was Nick Cage. I love the pick. Do I think it was a first rounder? I think the movie is. Wow. I don't know if a Nick Cage role it is. I, I'm not going to hate on it because the role, he did it so well. Would I have picked it at second overall? No. So, um, okay. I think that's acceptable. I, I, 
I and you know I love I, this I, movie. I, I concede to your Nicolas Cage like expertise, uh, but I I think you're so right when it comes to like the typecast of Nicolas Cage. How he was not reviled as he was not viewed as this smart individual. He's got a glossy stare over the entire movie. It looks like he's never into a for certain conversation. It seems like he's got so many thoughts running through his mind. I think that's portrayed perfectly as I get as you say again, like looking at the performance, like physically compared to what he's actually saying. I think it pairs so well and it just matches the movie so well. So that's my first round pick, Raising Arizona. And I'm going to come. I'm going to juxtapose this with a later career performance. One that uh, this movie guy stole my heart. It was one I didn't expect to be good in late 2021. Uh, The one that showed that Nicolas Cage is back, that he was, he never left, that he still got it, baby. And I think this is going to be like, you're not going to like this pick because you feel like you've got to honor the older IMDb, and uh, the filmography of one Nicolas Cage. But I'm going Pig. Pig is my second round pick, third overall. Such a silly concept, right? With him living out in the wilderness, with him and a pig separate from reality, separate from an age of technology, on a quest to grab his pig back. This movie's so Nicolas Cage it hurts, where it's we talk about challenging yourself, taking a silly concept, concept and making it your own putting this movie on his back. There wasn't a ton of great supporting performances here. I just talked about Holly Hunter in Raising Arizona. You could talk about a couple other performances like Coen Brothers, usually a great ensemble. Like this is Nicolas Cage still saying, I can carry a movie. I can make, I can still turn in an Oscar level performance, even with the dumbest concept ever. So I'm going to go with this performance. One of his most sentimental of all time. And it kind of also reflects his, like, it's kind of weird because this movie symbolizes his uh, status in Hollywood, right? At the beginning of the movie, he's this well-known person, right? He's kind of outcast and he's sent away for a while. People don't respect him. And then he makes a much anticipated return. Like this movie, like literally is the arc of Nick Cage's career. So that's why I think it, it just hits home a little bit extra. So I'm going to go pig as a second round pig. Truffles, baby. Truffles. Thoughts, Ricky? This is a fantastic pick. I have this at number four of my big board. I had it above Racing Arizona. Okay. Wow. This is a complete Nick Cage performance. A complete acting performance. More so than Racing Arizona. This movie, he had Alex Wolf next to him. And that's it. And Alex Wolf did not do well, in my opinion, in this role. He didn't do poorly. He just did okay. This is what you want to see in Nick Cage, the physical presence, the physical, emotional acting. And then when he does talk, which is rare, it's like mind-blowing away when you're dealt with this. He literally, the director of this, Michael Cernoski, he literally, from this movie, because of Nick Cage's performance, is directing A Quiet Place 3 under John Krasinski. That's how good Nick Cage was in this. It is mind-blowing that Javier Bardem and Being the Ricardos, which I like the role, but to say that he was confidently better than Nick Cage, a former Oscar winner, than Nick Cage in Pig is asinine. 
asinine. I know we talked about this before, but I'm just saying it because we're on the Nick Cage top billing. It is crazy that he did not get an Oscar nom compared to some of the other best actor nominees, which it was a deep cast, but you're telling me he couldn't beat out Javier Bardem right in this role? No, get out of my face. This movie is a reason why it's a 96% around it's made of certified fresh. Nick Cage, full performance. I love this pick. I was expecting to get it uh, back on the wraparound to me. Disappointed I didn't. Fantastic pick. So this movie, I don't think it works with someone else as the lead. Like with the, the, the wackiness of the concept, person trying to get back his pig, as unorthodox as that sounds, like he dresses as if he's a medieval type of peasant during this time. Uh, it just feels like if you need someone to carry a movie to this with this story, there's only one type of actor that could have made it successful. And the fact that this is kind of what puts Nick Cage back on the map, back on these promo tours that people actually pay attention to. It just talks about how good of an actor he is, not just like the star power of Nick Cage. And as people are just looking at him as a clown show, but he can turn the dumbest idea into a potential Oscar. Right. And that's that's like powerful acting. Like, And he matched so well the mystery, the aura of this character. You were clamoring to know what was the backstory the entire time. And it's not the story that made you like really want to find out more. You talk about the silence of Nick Cage, the physical acting of him in this movie. Right. I, I think 100 percent like Nick Cage does put this movie on the on his back. And uh, I'm happy to have it with my second round pick. With that being said, Ricky Flex, round up the second round with the fourth overall. So I do think I am I'm getting my second pick here, and it's his only other Oscar nom. And he played two people, and he played the wackiest two people of all time. That's Charlie Kaufman, the writer of Being John Malkovich, the writer of Eternal Spot, uh, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, uh, Oscar winner himself. He played Charlie Kaufman in Adaption, and he also played his twin brother. Okay, a man suffering from writer's block, the weirdest man, even more so than leaving Las Vegas, even more so than Pig. This guy is a complete weirdo. He played two separate people. And the, a big reason why I didn't win the Oscar, uh, clearly, Adrian Brody won for The Pianist, I believe, in the same year, 02, as this movie came out. This movie is so wacky, but it is like oh, what weird. we see as a modern day, like not necessarily a thriller, but psychological, like makes you think but makes sense at the end and it's a little wacky, but you get it. Not like a lot of these Nick Cage movies that's wacky and it's like, that's just too weird. This is like wacky, but oh my God, psychological mindset. This is amazing. Uh, clearly Chris Cooper, the Oscar winner in this, in this movie, Meryl Streep is in this movie also nominated, but those two people were nowhere near the caliber of Nick Cage in this movie. And it pains me to say how, Chris Cooper they, won like, the Oscar. Chris Cooper, I love the actor, but to say he won a Nick Cage loss for playing this role, it pains me to say it, but at the end of the day, I'm more of a Nick Cage guy, obviously. Nick Cage blew him out of the water in this. Just because Chris Cooper has a couple teeth missing and he has an accent on doesn't mean that he gets an Oscar. And that's what I mean about this peak Oscar versus deserved Oscar. Oscar. Chris Cooper deserved Oscar here. And, but was it really deserved? We can make that argument. This is Nick Cage, who was coming off of like eight years earlier winning an Oscar. People are like, oh, let's just give it away here. 
But yada, yada, yada. Young actor Adrian Brody. Again, I do think Adrian Brody deserved to win the Oscar. He was great. But any other year, Nick Cage wins this Oscar. It's crazy. Nick Cage was amazing in this movie. Again, if you haven't seen it, it's on HBO Max. You have to see this movie. It is wild. This is the most, this is a very slept on Nick Cage movie. It's just a slept on movie in general. It's nominated for numerous Oscars. Obviously, you got Chris Cooper nominated in one for best supporting actor here. Charlie Kaufman. He was great. He was great. Charlie Kaufman, like this hurt my brain to watch like he was way ahead of the meta curve that we like we see this like so popular now writing himself into a movie that he did he win for being john malkovich did he win for writing he that won movie? for best original screenplay so this guy Twice. wrote like you this is so meta it hurts my brain it's like he didn't know how to write a movie right his follow-up to being john malkovich he inserts himself into his own movie about him having writer's block. He literally wrote himself out of writer's it's block. It's the classic, like, what so, us think we could do. Like, right. oh, let's write a movie about ourselves. Yeah. Like, let's it, write a movie. He literally did it and won an Oscar for it. It was like, like, it was like narcissistic, but also not because it's not like he portrayed himself as this god, right? He portrayed himself as someone who had writer's block and he didn't know how to portray his next film. He didn't know how to follow up the pressures of an Oscar win. And like having Nicolas Cage play him, I mean, that says a lot about what he thinks about Nicolas Cage. And I don't know how many actors would have stepped up to this role. I think a lot of people would have been intimidated. We talk about the boldness of Nicolas Cage. Talk about him playing a dual performance here with a, once again, a made up brother that Charlie Kaufman gives himself, a twin brother that Nicolas Cage has to play. This movie like the first two thirds, you're just trying to wrap your brain on what's happening. You're trying to separate like what you know about Charlie Kaufman uh, from like what he's trying to do in this movie. And then all of a sudden the third act, it shouldn't work. I know I'm giving kind of a movie review right now, but the third act shouldn't work at all. It doesn't fit. But at the same time, you can't take your eyes off the screen. You got to see how this thing ends. And all of a sudden you're watching like a 90s action movie and- at the end of a Charlie Kaufman movie. So I like what I have to say is like, like Nick Cage is amazing in this, but I think like Charlie Kaufman stole the show a bit just with the writing and it paired well with Cage. And I, again, like it's amazing how well this, this twin brother tandem worked with Nick Cage. He literally perfected this acting. He was one of the few, like you see people playing dual brothers now or like twin brothers. Like you see in social network army him, like this man did it and they're completely different. Like they look similar, but they're also different uh, looks as well. But they're completely different people. Like it is amazing. Nick Cage literally kind of set the model for this. Very impressive. Like this movie is crazy. If you ha- Again, if you haven't seen it, you have to see it. It's on HBO Max. It is a great watch. Again, he didn't win an Oscar for this, but another person did it, which tells like this movie is very well regarded. Great performances all around. But Nick Cage steals a show and Definitely an Oscar-worthy performance, um, but didn't get one. So that's my second pick here, the fourth overall. So distinctly, like, plays two different people. Like, it is clearly, like, you really feel that he, Nick Cage has a twin, that Charlie Kaufman had a twin. You think it's real? Like, Charlie Kaufman actually did have a twin in real life. Like, if they had some type of computerized, like, like some tech going on early 2000s, it was expertly done. 
I think in like they were in like scenes together, like one frame. Like usually they try and like have a couple tricks, like one person like off camera, one person on, things like that. The hit was an amazing feat, and also like personalities being distinctly different. And then the story of them coming together, like just the idea of Nick Cage like interacting in some of those moments is kind of like laugh out loud funny to think about. Great pick, Ricky. I love that movie. Okay, so my third pick. This is where. I dictate your decision here, I think. And I'm going to pick a movie. This is a Nick Cage performance draft. So I'm picking his movie. I'd rather pick that in the third round rather than him. Maybe someone else stealing the show. Maybe someone else. Maybe he's the supporting character. So I am taking his movie. He defined it. Like, this is what the modern era 21st century knows nick cage for and that's for stealing the declaration of independence wow wow gates is my third pick here we're going fifth overall national treasure like i said this is what the younger generation knows him for and i think that he he almost started a franchise he's like he started like he got a sequel and he's getting a series even though he's not in it but it's based off his performance as Ben Gates. So I'm picking national treasure. I think that he's better in other movies, but just because those movies, I do think that possibly there are better performances within his own movie. I'm going to go the movie that's his, that, that defined him for a certain generation. And he stole the freaking declaration of independence. My God, Dr. O. So National Treasure is my third pick. Benjamin Franklin Gates going in the third round. What a surprise. Uh, This movie is probably the most synonymous Nick Cage role with our childhood. Uh, We're still waiting on National Treasure 3, by the way. The series is not good enough. Not unless Nick Cage has a prominent role. What are the secrets? We need to know all of those secrets. (laughs) But... Wow, I just I didn't I expected this going in the fifth round. I, maybe a Mister Irrelevant, but I like that you just said. You know what? This is like this is maybe I don't. It's not the most rewatchable, but definitely in the top five most rewatchable Nick Cage movies. It, it is Easily. really there, and uh, charming cast overall. But Nicholas Cage is Nicholas Cage. <laughs> like the idea of him stealing the Declaration of Independence on paper. It's it's. It is laugh out loud funny. Like Nicholas Cage is going to steal the Declaration of Independence. That's what's going to happen in this movie. John Boyd, Sean Bean. And it's going to be like a PG movie that a family can go see together, but you can still have the Nick Cage isms in it. Like, honestly, like you don't see like the full on Nick Cage over delivery, overacting until the sequel. Really? When you think about him, uh, where was he when he was in London? (laughs) What's it called? Yeah, right. That was poor that was yeah poor. that's where it's like the performance is way over the top it's more synonymous with nick cage but the better performance is obviously in the first one he's hamming it up big time in the sequel he, he knows where his bread's being buttered there by disney so i love the pick yeah great chemistry with diane kruger riley pool coming back for the series riley pool baby yeah. with his red ferrari let's go doug 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 <laughs> he's back Dougie, Doug, Doug, National Treasures, kicking off the third round. Uh, now on to my pick. End of the third round, 
let's go into like the 90s here, Ricky. Let's go into the late 90s. We talked about the career tra- trajectory of Nicolas Cage. We're talking about Oscar-nominated movies. You're talking, we already drafted uh, Raising Arizona. You've talked about hitting the mid-90s, hitting his arguably his peak with Leaving Las Vegas. I'm going to go to the change, right? The change in direction. And there is a string of movies here. It's about picking the right performance uh, for action films. I'm interested to see your reaction to this, Ricky Flex. Uh, I did watch a movie with Ricky Flex over the weekend. That's not the direction I'm going with. I'm going to go with maybe the most over-the-top Nicolas Cage performance of all time. And one that is clearly... I mean, it's just greatly exaggerated <laughs> the entire time. It's one of it's probably the funniest one, maybe the most unintentionally funny, but it's face off. No. <laughs> face off, face off in the third round. Um, as I said before, he goes all in, maybe more so than ever. And that's like alongside uh, a John Travolta that's hamming it up as well. <laughs> I want his face off. The line deliveries here talk about him as the priest, right? Where he basically, uh, where he's, he's rocking out, he's his head's going back and forth, uh, he's jamming out. He's he basically sexually assaults that woman wearing wearing, wearing the outfit. Uh, he's just zany in this one, but it's one of where he also just understands the assignment. Okay, let's ride. I, I don't know. I just like, this is my favorite out of these late nineties action films. Great shootout with Travolta in the beginning of the movie as well. Uh, can't go. We can't ignore the fact that he also was a action star at this time. It's not just, we were waiting for like the great action movie lines that he was delivering. Like he had his own spin on like what Bruce Willis was doing at the time. He just like, I'm going to make this even more. So uh, over the top Nicholas cage face off maybe the most rewatchable role he's ever had. Nick Cage performance trap. This is the one I think you're talking about compared to the other two. This is the highest up on my big board. This is his movie. John Travolta. Yes. Yes. Saturday night fever. Yes. It, he has Pulp Fiction coming off of that in 94. And yes, he is John Travolta, but you got, you know what, doctor Nick Cage is Nick Cage. And this is a Nick Cage movie. This is not a John Travolta movie, right? We're talking about the priest scene, right? We're talking about the let's ride, the memeable moments. And we're talking about switching freaking faces. That's not John Travolta. That's Nick Cage. So this is the movie. If you were going to pick one of those first, I'm not saying you aren't going to pick one of the other ones next, but if you were going to pick one first, this is the one to pick. If you pick this after, you would have heard me complain to the high heavens. And I'm talking about post-Leaving Las Vegas um, action movies in the 90s that Nick Cage done. If you picked this any uh, besides first, we would have had a serious problem. So you made the right pick. I'm proud of you. But I was hoping I was going to squeak that in the fifth round. I should have taken it in the third because it sounds like you would have waited for National Treasure. That's a mistake on my part. And it's the most important draft I've done besides the Batman draft and the Leo draft. So I'm a little disappointed, but I, I live and learn. Okay. Uh, I'm going to return back to this era in the late nineties. I watched a movie this weekend with Ricky flex. This is a movie where shockingly Nick cage doesn't really steal the show. 
Like we have arguably one of the most recognizable actors of his generation. One that was prominent decades ago has one of the most iconic roles in the history of Hollywood and James Bond starring alongside Sean Connery. My next movie off the board is the rock Michael Bay film, maybe the peak of Michael Bay films. Like I am acknowledging like Nick cage wasn't the star of the show here. Like he is not the greatest action performer in this, but when it comes to line delivery that we talk about and really nailing it <laughs> or even just like overselling it, I am just going to quote a few here. <laughs> I just can't get it where let's say we cut the chit chat a hole and we get the how in the name of Zeus's butthole. And then when I, one of my favorites, I, after we watched this movie the next day, I kept whispering to Ricky. Well, gee whiz, John, <laughs> like these type of quotes. Like Nick, Refuse to swear. Nick Cage understands the assignment. He knows what type of movie Michael Bay is trying to make. He's going to make it entertaining even when, even when there's not a lot of action going on in a movie filled with action. So I'm going to go with The Rock in a Nick Cage performance where it's like, wow, like he really knows how to go from Oscar-dominated movie, prestigious role to Let's make a lot of money, baby. Let's get that popcorn going and let's blow some shit up. So The Rock is my fourth round pick. Okay. So post leaving Las Vegas, you got it right with the first one, face off, but you got it wrong here. This is Connery's movie. This is Sean Connery. Yes. This is his movie. And I think with the other one that we were talking about, which I'm about to pick, that's you could say that Nick Cage, yeah, maybe he got a little bit stolen the show by another actor, which I'll talk about in a second. But that's still his movie in the end. That's still his. The memeable moments are with him. Uh, but I'll digress and I'll talk about that movie in a second. I'll talk about The Rock. The Rock hits hard. Like it still hits hard to this day. And again, rewatching this for like the 10th. 20th time whatever it was this weekend that we watched it together because this is a classic tnt cable eight o'clock showing on a friday or saturday night ed harris by the way is fantastic in this yeah i thought he was amazing ed harris one of the most are you of all time ricky do me a favor rank the three performances connery cage ed harris rank them I, i would go nick cage third i would I'm okay with that. I, I low-key agree I, I, with you, I had but the I think the performances were also good. It's just an absurd movie. Like, Connery just had he had his persona. He had his James Bond, but, like, 60-year-old James Bond, like, working for him, magic. Smooth right? as hell. And exactly. And then Ed Harris just played that domestic terrorist, but with, like, a, like, you're on his side kind of view a little bit from the audience where you're kind of rooting for him, but you're not. And he's so adamant and confident, but he's also like just a good soldier where it's like, God damn, this guy's America. Like this guy still loves America, even though he's trying to like America hundreds and thousands of people. And then you get Nick Cage where he's a chemist, but it just seemed off by the way everything was playing out versus the other two roles. (laughs) It's so so absurd how he starts this movie as a chemist and then comes into a full blown action star by the end of it. Right. (laughs) Even even when we explained it, you said like like the like iconic shot of this movie, though, is yeah. Like raising the hands up, Christ pose with the flares going off. Of course, of <laughs> with course. With the Michael Bay music going, the jets flying over. Yes, like, 
Damn, yes. that's nineties. That that is nineties, late nineties, two thousands, right there. That was this this movie. Like that's like inspired portions of Armageddon. <laughs> I I completely agree. But uh, my last point on this movie is that if you look at the movie poster, who's at the center of it? It's not Nick Cage. It's Sean Connery. It's Sean Connery's movie. That's why uh-huh. I think you made the wrong decision. You should have left it to me. But I will gladly take and I'll just transition right into the fourth, uh, last pick of the fourth round. And that's Con Air, baby. Welcome to Con Air. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll let you go. I'll let you go. I'll talk after. Whoa, whoa. So, you got to say it now. You have to you, say you it You talked now. about how Sean Connery stole the rock. Keep like, it coming. Con Air. Like, arguably, John Malkovich and Con Air is an absolute maniac. I feel like Nick Cage could have, like, honestly should have played Malkovich's part. And so, that would have been even better. So, again, I, I think I, re- I referred, referred to it. I completely agree. But if you had to compare the two movies, Nick Cage went more out for Con Air than he did for The Rock. He's not playing a chemist. He's playing an Alabama Park Ranger. He shifted his accent. He grew out his hair. Like, he went all out for this part. He is Con Air. He's an American hero. Like, he is an American hero. He is a the headline name American here. hero who has to re- re- reclaim his name, reclaim his status as an American hero. But, and again, this wasn't a Michael Bay film. This is Jerry Bruckheimer, the same producer of uh, The Rock, mm-hmm. of Armageddon with Michael Bay. I know Nick Cage is not in that, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, similar movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. It's on um, for free Prime. if you have TNT, um, cable TV, but Prime for rent. But Con Air, John Malkovich is amazing in this. And I agree, Nick Cage would have killed it as John Malkovich. <laughs> But you have that meme of him in the sun with the long hair. Like, yeah, like, and he's also like an American. He's the hero of this. And you actually believe it. You have him in the prison doing like uh, uh, he's on his hands doing like push-ups while like in a, in a handstand. Like he's actually like ripped. He got ripped for this movie. Like he went all out for this movie and he knew like this movie was getting a 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. It didn't matter. I know this is 97. It didn't Rotten Tomatoes wasn't even invented yet probably, but he knew this movie wasn't going to get critical acclaim, but you have John Malkovich, you got Steve Buscemi, like Kuzak. Kuzak, like Kuzak who was huge at the time. Like you have this huge cast and he's like, I'm going to star in this. I'm going to dominate. I'm going to be the hero. And I'm going to be that comeback story. Everybody wants. This is why I would have picked face off before this, but to pick the rock before Con Air, I think is a mistake on your part. I, I'll I pick I, Con Air here. Well, I think of Nick Cage. I don't think of like the bonafide, like jacked action star that he becomes in this movie. Right. When I think of Nick Cage, I talk about the, like the overemphasis on lines, right? The guy who's like accenting for some reason, certain lines, but talking about accents here, this is like if his character in uh, Raising Arizona went straight, like if he wasn't as like zany, you know, and he gets put away and it was an action hero. It's like, this is what would have happened. It felt like, cause it's like a big dumb Nick Cage role. And he like leaned into like the big, dumb guy war hero in this movie he felt like the Get love smart. from he felt the love from the rock he felt the love from face off 
Conair on the way. He's like, I'm just going to lead in this 100%. And I think for a future movie, let's run back Malkovich versus Cage. Because I think these actors are so similar. Oh, my God. Don't get me started. Similar. When you think about Malkovich and his career and his like notoriously known as a villain in movies, but also his hilarious accents. Uh, his like commitment to roles when you think about like even just rounders from the time period, right? And before mm, that, we're mm, talking about in the 96. line of fire with Eastwood. It's mm-hmm. just he is, I feel like he is almost at the same level as Cage. And like them in the 90s, I feel like there was no more, there weren't two actors that were more comparable than these two. So like I felt like they could have right, played up, they could have played up the one-on-one between them even more in this movie. Uh but yeah, it's like I think of America when I see Nick Cage in this movie. I think about a man in a wife beater with a Texas accent, hair flowing in Alvin. the wind, him winking at the camera. Like that is America, Con Air, Nick Cage. I like the pick. It was a tough that like those three movies, like all in a row. That's like a that's a murderer's row for action movies in the 90s. We just went the so I had The Rock at sorry. I had face off at six, Con Air at seven, the rock at eight as my on my big board so we went right in a row on my big board i think that era is perfect right post core uh nick cage that's when he's an action star and he's was considered before gone air the best actor on the planet and then he made this shift so and if you didn't catch me under 98 i don't know why i said 96 but um yeah that's why i'm picking con air over the rock but I understand. I, I, I respect it. if you do like The Rock better as a movie. I understand that. I actually think after rewatching both of them this weekend, I have more fun watching Con Air. I do have more fun watching. I Con did. Air. I, I watched half of Con Air last night before I turned on the Batman. Just I know we're gonna review. Oh, but it the second this. half, the second half in that cage I is different. The second half it's similar to too. another movie that I'm not going to pick right now, and I think I'm gonna regret it. Because it probably should be my pick, but I'll mention it in the honorable mentions. But I'm going to pick a movie that probably isn't even in Nick Cage's top 20 movies of all time, probably not even top 30. But this movie resembles Nick Cage. This movie is Nick Cage, right? Because he doesn't have to say a single word in the movie because he wants to challenge himself. Yes, I'm going there. I'm picking Willie's Wonderland. I am what? Picking You're Wonder- picking this movie? What? I am. I am picking Willie's Wonderland and is not nearly, is it his top 10 performances? No, but I feel like I want to pick it because, or I am picking it because yes, this movie is not good. It's absurd, but this just sums up his career. And I want to honor Nick Cage. This sums up his career because this man doesn't matter if it's straight to VOD like this movie, which I feel like we should have in this draft is a straight to VOD release because that's Nick Cage in the second half of his career. But he wanted to challenge himself. He said to the director and writer, he is not saying a word in this movie. He did not like any of the, the script that was with his lines, but he liked the role. So he took this movie, said, strip all my lines. I will just act everything out. That's Nick Cage. That's why I'm picking this movie. It's not necessarily because of the performance. It's not necessarily because of the quality of the movie. It's because 
of the uh what's the word i'm looking for it's like the idea of the performance yeah. you know the concept exactly of it. like it's the symbol of nick cage is this movie it where yes i'm challenging him yes exactly i can't think of the right word for it but i think that's the closest that boldness we'll get. it's just super bold <laughs> so it's not this is gonna lose me this draft i know it but you know what this this personifies him. i guess that's the word i'm looking for here of nick cage so i'm picking it yeah, no, like I'm shocked by this pick. I'm shocked because like there's a couple great. Uh, I wouldn't say I would say really good ones still left on the board, uh, but I like that you're just going like off the walls because that's what Nick Cage would do, right? WWNCD. What would Nick Cage do? Uh, this movie was bonkers, and he makes he's the reason this movie's watchable. I feel like in this age of streaming, boldness of like movies that are or choices are made by actors that they wouldn't make if they're trying to make money at the box office they wouldn't be cast in certain movies this is i think streaming is playing such a benefit to nicholas cage in his resurgence like you talk about profitability of like pig like pig like no one would have saw pig unless right it was on hulu and guess what it's on hulu and some people were able to see this on a wide on a at a wide wider scale so i feel like this is where nick cage can start to thrive imagine if this happened in like the mid 2000s like people would have much more recognition with cage they might have a more of a um uh they might value him more and they might uh respect him more than than what he was like given during the mid 2000s you know so I respect this pick. He makes this movie watchable because this movie, if he wasn't again, in it, I would, wouldn't touch it. I have a lot more favorite performances. I have a lot more performances where I think he's better, but I just think this again, personifies him. This is Nick Cage in this movie, especially the back half of his career. And like, I know a couple people are going to be mad at me that I didn't pick one in particular here where he's the star, but I'll talk about that in the honorable mentions. Um, I'm looking forward to what you're going to pick because there's a lot of different avenues. Are you going to go supporting role? Are you going to go a uh, lead role? Like I'm, I'm honestly, I have no idea where you're going to go. So I watched this movie over the weekend and it like stole my heart. It's actually a rom-com sort of. Uh, it's not the prototypical cage movie that we talked about in the late nineties, the inventive ones of the mid two thousands, early 2010s and into like, obviously late uh, 2010s, but I'm going to go with Moonstruck. I really do like this movie. I don't, I don't feel like a lot of people have seen this. Like I, this is on like Turner classic movies. Like I feel like for some reason, like I had heard about this movie. I know Nick Cage did a vampire movie in the eighties. I was like, is this what the vampire movie was? I haven't seen it. So I'm like, maybe this is it. So I just turned it on. Like I went on a six movie, like Nick Cage marathon this weekend. So I was, Moonstruck was like the first one I started to watch. And I'm like, okay, this is like raising Arizona, like age Nick Cage. Uh, we talk about how he was like, sort of like young up and coming actor. He was like low key, kind of a heartthrob at the time. And seeing him alongside Cher, and I'm not a huge like Cher fan. I do like believe that's one of the best songs of the '90s, arguably my favorite song of the '90s. But like his chemistry with Cher in this movie is off the charts. Like I would have thought they got married after this movie. Like they had so much chemistry going. Um, a romantic side of Nick Cage that I don't think I've ever seen. And we talk about his range. 
the zaniness he brings. He could be an action star, but also he could be a romantic here. And he does contain some of that wackiness in this role that he has with a raising Arizona. It feels like he's like channeling that a little bit, but it's just a little bit more contained. And once again, like talk about, he he plays an alcoholic in this movie, like leaving Las Vegas, not to the same extent, but he's also channeling other roles and see how like you could see when you watch these roles in his younger ages, how they inspire his future roles and how they kind of evolve from here. So it's so crazy to see because he's like literally, it's like unrecognizable. When you look at him in Moonstruck compared to him in Pig, it's such a, it's like a different person. And that's like Nick Cage. He's like a chameleon of sorts. Sorry, that was my computer just went off there. Um, I was wondering what the sound was. No, it's my, my Mac. So this, and I got to say, this movie, it's like not your average rom-com. It has some complexity to it. It's about like extramarital affairs, like what can happen as a result. What should, uh, should you go with what's safe? Or, like that's a com- common like rom-com thing. Do you go with what's safe or do you go with well, your heart? Yeah, they I- always go with your heart. But I'm just like, Seeing like the the people in the family interweaving affairs and things like that, I'm like, oh my gosh, it has some complexity you don't see with like Love Actually and these like mid mid two thousands uh, rom coms. Got nominated yeah, for an Oscar. I was shocked. No, I to help you out a little bit here with the movie, I'll say it's more of a like a drama with comedic elements with it oh, that you enjoy, funny. dude. I think that, it's funny. no, that you enjoy. I think that this is like a a drama with oh, like that that's a comedy. But to call it a rom-com, yes, probably that's the genre you would put. That's the genre that you put it in, yes. But like this isn't like a love actually. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, the reason why it's not in my top ten for Nick Cage role, even though I do think if you like, okay, let me just step back here. So Cher, she won her Oscar for this role. Mm-hmm. This is Cher's movie, okay. But I do agree with you that Nick Cage was great alongside Cher. And that's resembling the first scene of him in this movie, which is like a half hour in. And it's him just being an angry, dude. Like, he, he's, he has a wooden hand. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> have a hand. He ch- his hand got chopped off. Um, that's not a spoiler. Um, but also, I would just say another thing that held me back from him is that, yes, not only Cher did, did Cher win, but her mother in this role, uh, Olympia Dukakis, Dukakis, uh, yeah, Dukakis won as well. And this movie also won for best uh, uh, writing, original screenplay, uh, just screenplay, yeah. Before it was called screenplay, original screenplay adapted, won for screenplay. Here this is like you said, nominated for best picture, also nominated for best director. But the problem for me, even though I do think. I would have rather seen Nick Cage in this is that the dad in this movie um, don't know his name was nominated for best actor. He shouldn't have been. That guy is not that great. In a supporting role. Best actor in supporting role over Nick Cage. And I think it's just because it's early Nick Cage. This is uh, a 1987 uh, movie, right? So this is right before the Arizona raising Arizona, like breakthrough. Yep. So the stupid look, role stereotype didn't play as well in this movie so just drafted him this top billing top 10 i wasn't gonna do it but if you picked it i can't hit against it because over that guy like i read if that guy uh whoever played the dad of sharon that movie that got vincent gardenia thank you 
if he didn't get nominated, I would consider this like, oh, maybe the Nick Cage wasn't as good because you know what I'm saying? Because like if he's he just got a nominated, young, young guy, Nick like, Cage should have been nominated. You know, like, I mean, he wasn't as good. I'm looking at this black and white like picture of Vincent Gardinia right now. I don't I don't have much familiarity with this actor. I assume uh-huh. he's had a legacy in Hollywood and it seemed like it was a like I don't think he was very good in the movie. Like he's funny, but he's like funny. I, I he's thought the Nick comedian. Cage I thought Nick Cage kicked his butt in this movie to be Easily. honest. Easily. But, uh, and his 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 Oscar moment was either his first scene or like when he's like just come up just <laughs> i'm telling you i love you just come upstairs I, I like like even this, like the first like the energy that he brings him throwing the table after he pours like like without nick cage this movie like, sucks yes and i literally think like Cher doesn't win an oscar she's not without nick cage. nick cage you know and that it's crazy <laughs> that's a duo sharon and nick cage and and it works uh in a comedy and you're right doctor you are right that after seeing this chemistry you would expect, oh, they're getting married after being on set together. Yeah, it's just like it's, just, it's like Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper. Like they're gonna have a relationship. Yes, after this it was movie. very similar. You know, it, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Um, yeah. So that's gonna be uh, Mr. Irrelevant. So let me run through our picks for this draft, and then we'll get into honorable mentions. I know Ricky Few, Ricky Flix is gonna have several. Uh, so Ricky Flix has for the best Nick Cage performances draft, uh, leaving Las Vegas, uh, adaptation, uh, National Treasure. Con Air, and then Willie's Wonderland. Dr. O has Raising Arizona, Pig, Face Off, The Rock, and Moonstruck. Honorable mentions, Ricky Flex. Uh, run through a couple with us. Okay. The one that probably people are yelling at me for is Mandy. Never Mandy. seen it. I've never seen it. So it's on um, the weird, not Criterion, it's but streaming the other somewhere? streaming service. Yeah, we got to pay for it. And I just, what I did uh, when I watched this is I just did like a free trial. I actually watched it recently. Problem is, the first hour of the movie, Nick Cage is barely in it. It's a two-hour movie. Nick Cage is barely in it. And then the second half of the movie, I'm not going to spoil anything, he goes on a rampage. And yes, this movie is significantly better than Willy's Wonderland. Yes, I admit it. But a shutter, thank you. I guess it's similar to Criterion. Um, but, and again, the second half of the movie, that's Nick Cage's movie. But the first half, again, we're drafting performances that didn't personify Nick Cage. And I like my first four picks way more than Mandy. So that's why I did not pick Mandy, um, even though it's definitely a better movie than Willis Wonderland. I've never seen it. I've been dying to see that movie so bad. Um that was definitely going to be on my list because you think about the resurgence of Nicolas Cage popularity on streaming uh, boldness of roles. Like it all lines up. Like this is like must watch new Nicolas Cage, but it's just not available. I just wish it was. So I could have seen it. It's definitely going to be the one that people look at and say like they have familiarity with just because this resurgence of cage, like where was it? So good one. Yeah. What else you got? Um, I know people also be like, this man, like we didn't draft any of the movies that he's worked with the best directors in Hollywood ever. So like bringing out the dead, Martin Scorsese and uh, uh, the late nineties, 99 didn't like, we didn't draft that. We didn't draft match stick men with Ridley Scott. Ridley I Scott wanted to see that movie. I've never seen it. 
another one where it's kind of whack, not wacky, like a like some of his VOD releases were like a Mandy here, um, but a little wacky. Wow, at heart, David Lynch. We didn't draft that, so like we didn't draft some of the more like the movies where like it's like oh, big time director or like Francis Ford Coppola. We didn't draft a bunch like because uh, pre areas in Arizona he was with a bunch of uh, he was like uh, was it the Cotton Club, Richard Gere, Francis Ford Coppola. We didn't draft that one. We but like this isn't what personifies Nick Cage. This is a Nick he's Cage. He's made so draft. many goddamn movies. I, I think he uh it was it's exactly 98 movies he's been in. That's insane. So 98, many. and most of them, if he's not the supporting actor, he's the lead. Like very few that he's a supporting. Or like a minor not not supporting, like a minor character. He like works he, so goddamn much. He, he loves works so to much. Work. You gotta respect it. I have a bunch of others, but I'll I'll a little I'll uh, take a break. I know there's a bunch on my list that I know that you're probably dying to say. I'm just going to group three together. And it was in an age where Marvel and the MCU dominate superhero movies. But I do have to like pay some homage to Nicolas Cage's contributions to the superhero genre. I'm going to list three right now. Kick-Ass. I had as my number 12 uh, pick here. Into the Spider-Verse, my, uh, maybe my va- favorite voice performance in Into the Spider-Verse. I had at number 11, Spider-Man Mark Johnson, Noir. then this him is, for me. This is making one hell of a, well, one hell of an or one kick-ass origin story. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> amazing line deliveries here. And then uh, Ghost Rider, like Ghost Rider, it, like, I would love to see Doctor Strange somehow, like, incorporate Nicolas Cage oh my back gosh. for a scene in Ghost Rider. There's like, Johnny Blaze! Like, 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 you're going to say, oh, is there going to be a reference to, like, Affleck as Daredevil? Like The coffee. <laughs> the coffee. Johnny Blaze, dude. But uh, that movie, I find, I used to watch it all the time as a kid. I, I would love to return to it now and see what I think. But, okay. dude, like, that was crazy. Like, Donald Logue just dying, like, halfway through the movie. I was like, whoa! just disintegrating after he was like his buddy it's just like such an abrupt ending that was uh, and him and Emma Mendez like what a combination Emma Mendez where has she been at we've mentioned that before I know uh, she's ask, just disappeared you gotta ask the goss god what she's been up to but uh no um Ghost Rider remember oh god sorry Ghost Rider I remember watching that in theaters with you and our family our father here and Big Mike and being like that movie rules like that movie was a lot of fun Dude, like, that was West awesome Bentley. that was sick and then I remember, I forget when, I think, uh, well, when Ghost Rider Spirit Vengeance come out, the sequel. Uh, Quickly look that up when I'm talking here. Yep. So when that came out, I was so like, I think I was under 10. That was like the first time where I was like, when I went to a movie theater with you guys, or just went to a movie theater in general, and I said, what was it? 2012. Okay, that might have not been the first time when I said, this movie sucked. And I, I would have been 15. Yeah, it definitely wasn't the first time. But I was like, that movie was awful. Like, awful, awful. So I'm glad that Ghost Rider wasn't picked just because I would be thinking of Ghost Rider 2 Spirit of Vengeance here. So I'm looking at this movie review site and they somehow have Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance rated higher than Ghost Rider. I That's have, an I abomination. Have, I have, I, like, I will never look back on this website. I will not call them out by name. Cancel. This is bad. Like they have ghost, like Ghost Rider has some redeeming qualities to it. Like Sam Elliott and Ghost Rider, pretty good. Oh, God, yeah. But Sam like, Elliott. And, and like Nick Cage is like perfect for this, like over the top, like anti hero <laughs> character. Like it was like, 
this is like when like 2007 so spider-man 3 had just come out you believe that he can get with eva mendez you know x-men the last stand happened and it's like okay ghost rider's pretty badass character the punisher movies were coming out daredevil and affleck it seems like it was like perfect timing maybe right before like we got the mcu uh like giving birth like the next year with iron man so it felt like it had some potential there it's definitely worth revisiting. I might watch. I like. I might have to continue this like Nick Cage marathon I've been in. Uh, another movie I want to bring up is once again like a unique spin on superhero movies, Kick Ass. And this movie is so entertaining. And Nicolas Cage is once again playing an eccentric but also contained role. He's playing like this person who once again goes to prison, sent to prison by this. He was a cop who sent to prison, set up by this. Um, how do I describe him? He's like this underworld leader. Like he's mm-hmm. like a leader yeah, to yeah, mob yeah. type guy. Mark Strong, once again, playing a villain, but him of coming course. back and also training his daughter to be a superhero. And he dresses up like similar to Batman and things like that. And like the first scene he has, him shooting Chloe Grace Moretz in the chest with a gun to make sure it's bulletproof safe and everything. It's just like, and she's like five years old at the goddamn movie. It's um, a bananas, like off the walls movie in a time where the MCU was happening. So they kind of slid under the radar. So Nick Cage, great supporting role there. So those are the three, like I just wanted to pay tribute to. Yeah. And there's a bunch of other movies that I've seen. Um, I don't know if we want to mention them. I, I, I'll just, for the sake of podcasting, probably not. Like I've seen a bunch more Nicolas Cage movies, but to just say them, it's kind of just like, it might just be like actually undermining Nicolas Cage a little bit. So I'll just like forget that. But um. Just, I guess I'll just mention two more real quick. Um, the Family Man, when like he kind of like he switches lives, like a potential life. I actually don't hate that movie. I don't recommend it, but like I don't hate it. Um, but it is a good performance by Nick Cage. I don't necessarily hate it. He plays like an investment banker that it's like similar to like a, a wonderful, wonderful life vibes a little bit. I was gonna say it gives me like click vibes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, click it's a click mixed with unwonderful life, but like Nick Cage is much better than like an Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. So um, I'll say that. And then one that I thought about drafting, but I just think I couldn't have because I just don't love the movie. I don't hate the movie. I think it's like low seventies is the Croods. Never seen him. He is a great voice actor and he like, that is his movie. Like you have Emma Stone, Ryan Reynolds, but it's Nick Cage's movie. And yeah. it's a voice actor. So I'll it's like check it out. very impressive. It's on Peacock. Um, and Peacock's, like, yeah, it's Peacock. But um, again, like, I don't love the movie, but like Nick Cage is awesome into it. He literally says like, what, like, what do we have to think of? Be afraid of everything. <laughs> like he is so funny in the movie. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of Nick Cage roles that I actually like don't hate, but the movies I hate, they just don't regard mentioning. So I'll just let be like eight millimeter and that type of stuff gone in 60 seconds with angelina jolie like Mm -hmm. lord of war jared leto ethan hawk jesus yeah it's like it's like once again though if you it the way those movies are rewatchable and you can return to is because of the one and only nick cage so that's gonna do it for the damn right that's gonna do it for the nick cage draft make sure you tune into our review of unbearable weight of massive talent next week uh before we go ricky flex before we give a preview some programming announcements i do want to bring up some major news that happened before we jumped on the pod this week we obviously had the checkup 
uh, drop when we're recording today, um, Tuesday. So something just hit the waves. Dynamic duos back. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are developing a film on Nike that follows the company landing a shoe deal with the one and only Michael Jordan. So Matt Damon's going to play an executive, Sonny Vaccaro, bald little Italian man. And then Ben Affleck is going to be playing the one and only Phil Knight of Nike. And Ben Affleck's also going to direct this movie. Ricky Flex instant reactions to hearing this news. And did you mention that they're both writing it? Uh, I did, I don't think I wrote. No, I didn't write. I didn't. I didn't say Affleck that. Like girls writing it. Incredible. This back. is this is the back. Like we thought Ridley Scott last tool was that the. No, 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 no. This is their back, and we had to bring this up on this pod. Like. Nothing could outlast Nick Cage, like or outperform Nick Cage, but this is pretty damn close. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, both writing it, Google Hunting, Last Duel Vibes. But guess what? Ben Affleck, The Town, Argo, directing it as well. Phil Knight, Nike. Let's get it going. About time we got a movie. We just saw Phil Knight in Winning Time. It's about time we saw something with Phil Knight, uh, sort of Steve Jobs type of movie. Michael Fassbender, one of my favorite movies of all time. Go watch that on Netflix. I'm so pumped for this. This is awesome. Hopefully we get this sooner than later, possibly next year, but don't rush it. Rush it. Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Can't wait. This I'm more excited for this than any of the news that was in the checkup yesterday. Yeah. Like this is crazy. Uh, what I am really interested in, or I'm fascinated by, I should say, is that this is coming at a very interesting time, a film on Nike, Jordan and shoe deals. So NCAA, they're on a, they're under investigation. A lot of schools are under investigation by the NCAA and by the FBI, right? By these um, players having shoe deals that are also in relationship to schools that weren't a part of the NIL and like these uh, now sponsorships they're able to have and uh, leads to a lot of recruiting violations. Very big in the news right now. Then talking about Michael Jordan, the last dance that dropped two years ago. One of the episodes focuses on Nike, on his shoe deal. So I feel like this is like in response to recent news. And then you combine that with the fact you have uh, the last duel with Affleck and Damon from Ridley Scott last year, one of the most underrated films of the year. I just think it's a great number of pieces that are like meshing together and uh, it's really lining up to be something special. What I'm not sold on, like I, I can see Affleck as Phil Knight, honestly. I could like the tall guy, got like kind of some funky hair going on. But and it's a younger version of Phil Knight. Just got to dye his hair. He like he did it for the last duel. It could happen here. But I have a hard mm-hmm. time seeing Affleck. I mean, um, Damon as Sonny Vaccaro. Like that's going to be a hell of a physical transformation. I'm not quite sold that that's actually going to work yet. I I agree with you. I actually don't agree with you. I think it's going to be hard for Ben Affleck as well. I, I actually do. Um, mm. But what I do like is that they can just mold it into their own. Like, do you really know Phil Knight? Like, besides in winning time? Like, I don't, like, really. I think they could mold it into their own. I would rather just see a great movie, you know? This isn't Steve, like, I mentioned Steve Jobs. This isn't Steve Jobs. Michael Fassbender, like, you don't need to dress up in the glasses and turtleneck and jeans, right? Phil Knight doesn't have a look on him. So I think they can mold this into their own. I really don't mind that. But again, this is huge. I think Affleck's back, Matt Damon's back. I love this. I think this will be, like, I'll say it now, better than The Last Duel, even though The Last Duel, criminally underrated, hard to watch, 
maybe an unrewatchable, but maybe just scenes of it are unrewatchable, I should say. But I'm so excited for this. This is amazing. Hopefully it's in theaters and not picked up by a streaming service. I think that would be more beneficial for this film as well. Yeah, and I, I, I just got to bring up one more idea that needs to be addressed. Who's going to play Michael Jordan? I have someone in mind. Michael B. Jordan? <laughs> no, not, not a bad one, but it's got to be someone very young. This is this taking place mid-80s, like 85. So it's got to be a young-looking dude. It's got to be Corey Hawkins. <sighs> That's got to be the guy who plays Michael Jordan. This guy, like... It, it seems like a perfect role for him, like coming off like we had straight out of Compton back in 2015. You see like him expanding his roles. He was in Tragedy of Macbeth. He did. In the Heights. In the Heights as well. Like his range is there. And to put him in a script from Affleck and Damon with Affleck behind the camera, like this could be like a star making role for this dude. I think like it would line up perfectly. And it's a great like. Depends uh, on the screen time. A great fit with this trio, you know, I mean, it's about Michael Jordan signing the shoe deal. <laughs> like, I feel like, and like it's Michael Jordan. Like no, no one's ever played Michael Jordan in the big screen. <laughs> I, Corey Hawkins, like playing Michael Jordan just seems crazy to me, but uh, no, I don't hate the shout. I don't hate it. Um, I guess I was, I got, when you think Michael Jordan, I just think Michael B. Jordan, I guess if you're going to play an actor, but um, yeah, I don't hate the shout. I'll have to think more on it. But he looks I, very young, too. Yeah, he's still very young. Oh, man, I can't. Mm, that's a good question. I Again, I'm, I'm a little stumped. Could I'm be someone stumped. that they don't know because you already have the name recognition of Damon and Affleck. Maybe they get a third person. That well, they did with Magic. They did with Magic and Kareem. Right, just uh, put him next time. to Jason Clark, John C. Riley. Give him right? a good script. Someone that can just, like, remember lines and just, like, be that, that type of person. Boom. Like, good enough. All right. Uh, huge news. We'll stay tuned to it. And uh, maybe it's going to hit the hopefully it hits theaters. What? End of 2023, hopefully. Right. Fingers hopefully. crossed. Uh, programming announcements. So uh, make sure if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out our checkup, right? Movie news from uh, last week. Make sure you tune into uh, the checkup, our last episode, but also make sure you tune in for the rest of the episodes this week. Uh, we next have a Moon Knight episode four recap dropping tomorrow. And then we have our blockbuster battle. The Batman just dropped on HBO Max alongside The Dark Knight. We're going to look at those two movies. We're going to decide. We're going to analyze them, break them down, tail the tape, and we'll decide once and for all which one is the better movie. Ricky Flux, you had a comment there? Special guest coming in. For the blockbuster battle. And we have a guest. Who do we have coming on for the blockbuster battle, Ricky Flex? Stay tuned. Stay tuned to the pod, all right? There's your cliffhanger. That's going to do it for episode... Uh, <laughs> that's going to do it for episode 90 of The Drive-In. Subscribe to wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media. Until next time, we... Will smell you.